0: Love, talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins platform. This is a solutions oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast would dedicate just about thirty minutes. To explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines and this is your host Brian Perkins. Uh, as usual I'm excited about today's broadcast because we have another amazing guest with us today. Uh, this today's guest is award-winning professor and writer and black history educator. Um, he is going to talk a little bit about uh, what has been in the news and news media Uh, around the uh, Florida ban on AP American history African American history Um, but just there's so many accolades I just want to share with you that um, today's guest is an associate uh, professor of social studies education and the founding director of the Center for k-12 black history and racial literacy education he's award-winning he has all kinds of publications uh, uh in scholarly journals and books, and so I'm pleased to welcome and introduce to you, Dr. Legarrett King. welcome Legarrett. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you on here uh for this important important discussion uh so I, first, let's get out of the way the uh the work that you're doing i you know you're doing so much, and a lot of people are familiar with with what you uh you've been writing about uh particularly now uh, I've seen you in several places where uh they've asked your opinion about what's going on all over the country but tell us first about the work that you do and about your center that you uh you founded Yeah um
1: so um for oh man for over a decade now um uh, I'm a researcher over black history education, right? So um, sometimes I have to uh, correct people. I'm not a black historian, right, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that I don't necessarily create knowledge around history. What I do is I try to help us understand the teaching and learning around black history. So that's kind of the difference uh, between being a historian and a black history educator, um, Um, you know, particularly as it pertains to my research. I was a, uh, you know, classroom teacher um, in high school for uh, eight years uh, in Texas and Georgia. And uh, my last teaching job was at um, Booker T. Washington High School um, in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, if anyone knows anything about Booker T. Washington High School is the historic black um, high school, right, where Martin Luther King Jr. Um, attended and graduated from, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and it's close to the Atlanta, the, the AU Center, like literally across the street. And I was so happy to um, be able to teach at that uh, school, but I found that um, the students were apathetic about the history. And I'm I'm talking about Like, we are in the hub of the civil rights um, era, granted, 40 years later, but we were still, you know, there's still um, remnants of civil rights history around that area. And, you know, I went to grad school soon after to try to figure all this stuff out and, um, you know, graduated from the University of Texas in 2012 and, now I'm at the University of Buffalo, um, and one of the reasons why I started the Center for K-12 Black History and Racial Literacy Education is um, because I noticed, number one, there's, there wasn't a, a direct place that helped teachers teach about black history, right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, now we have the association for the study of african-american life and history but it's more geared geared towards higher education although they do have interest in k-12 education but there hasn't been a center focused on you know k-12 black history education and number two as a society particularly black educators we've been trying to do this black history education thing since the 19th century right Right. i tell people all the time that after the civil war two things that black people did right after the Civil War was they write history and they write history, right, with a W uh-huh. and an um, R. And and as early as 1890, you had black educators write black history textbooks because they knew that the history education that was out there at that time wasn't sufficient enough, right? And yeah. so, you know, throughout our years, it's always been, uh, a connection between racial, social upheaval and the call for more black history education in our schools. Um, so these have always been movements, well, moments and not movements, right? So um, mm-hmm. the center is, is – is, I am trying to make the center into an institution where we can continue to teach effective black history um, mm-hmm. in our schools and in society. Mhm mhm
0: so is the center part at some university is it at a particular university
1: Yeah so right now uh we're at the University of Buffalo uh okay. Buffalo New York and we uh started the center January twenty two, although I've been running a Black History Center since two thousand eighteen when when um I was at the University of Missouri. And mm-hmm. um I rebranded it um with with the aspect of racial literacy when I moved yes. to Buffalo, New York.
0: Yes, yes. So uh, just out of curiosity, I mean this is fascinating and and I, I, congratulations. Uh being at a university myself, I know the challenges of of being able to get funding for work that you want to do and Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes uh, depending on where you are convincing the administration that it is it is in the interest of the university to do uh, something like this who it will attract uh, what kind of of attention it will attract Um, and so how how easy or difficult was it for you to do this. You know, this is not, this is not something that's uh, certainly not now very popular, right? And, and, you, and, and so when we think about K-12 black history um, education, um, but then I, I just, and I also have a follow-up question to it, but, but specifically K-12 black history education is not something that you, you, you hear much about. So I don't know if it's the only one of its kind, but certainly it mm-hmm. is one of the few if if there are others. It's the first that I've heard of. So how how difficult or easy
1: was it for you to 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 do this? Yeah, I think I don't know of any other center that focused directly on K twelve Black History Education. Um I don't know. Um, in terms of ease, it's a complex um, question, right? Although it's an easy question, uh, it's a complex answer. Um, I think in many universities, right? I think you can do whatever you want to do in many places, yeah. particularly research one institutions and yeah. that. But whether or not they give you money or not is another story, <laughs> right? So That's, right. Do That's it. right. So, so. So uh, anybody can start something and name it something. It's just all about, well, how are we going to maintain it, right? How, okay. how are we going to, um, you know, uh, keep it afloat, right? Um, so right. So on um, both institutions, um, you know, the, as I said, I've been, you know, doing the academic thing for over a decade. And before I even left grad school, I knew that I wanted to create a center, right, particularly after I started learning all that history around black history. And, um Um, I asked my dean, uh, my first dean when, when, when I was at Missouri, and then my dean now at Buffalo, and both of them were very supportive. I think I have more financial support from Buffalo than I did at the University of Missouri, but the expectation is always to be entrepreneurial, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, finding out different ways of how you can support the center. And one of the you know entrepreneurial um, you know aspects that we have at the center is the teaching Black History conference that we have each July, right? And so okay. we're at the sixth one, and and um, you know, using that 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 convenes hundreds of teachers from around um, the U.S. and Canada to learn about the most effective practices around black history education. And something that we're hopefully going to start very soon, um, I'm waiting on official um, you know, uh, approval, is these micro-credentials or micro, micro-certificates yeah. Yeah. Uh, around teaching black history education um, for teachers. And the main reason why I wanted to do that is that there's um, – about a dozen states that mandate black history, um, in their state law in, in including Florida, right? Um, that mandates um black history in their laws. The problems with, with 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 any black history course on a large scale is always teachers' knowledge and teachers' pedagogical content knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And Many of these places just select teachers that want to teach Black history. Are they forced teachers, right, um, to teach Black history? I come around a lot of teachers. Um well, well a lot of schools and school districts that say they have a lot of resistant teachers to teach black history, mainly because they don't know a lot of black history. So right. micro credential micro certificate, right, is supposed to number one, help educate train teachers in the proper and effective ways to teach black history and also help administrators uh identify those teachers who have that type of training because um, the, the most important aspect of building a black history program is the teacher. A good uh-huh. teacher can take Something. a bad curriculum and make it good. A good curriculum with a bad teacher, that's not for success. And just yeah. like you mentioned, there's a lot of heat on black history. And if you get the wrong teacher, then guess what's going to happen, right? The black history course is not going to succeed because they feel it's not, you know, effective. Right, and not, not only the, the,
0: the course itself, because there are courses that, of course, we know that teachers create and are creative at the, a lot of times at the high school lesson, but what we've also seen in recent years uh, over and over again is that a number of teachers, just a single lesson, uh, goes bad because they they don't fully understand uh, the nuance of how to pull that off in a classroom with mixed racial backgrounds of students. They don't do that well either. So I'm, I'm sure that you probably spend some time in the pedagogy as well. So one thing is the
1: content, but another thing is the, the pedagogy exactly um you know um you know what's interesting is that i do a lot of professional development around the country and one of the questions i ask the uh, teachers is always um well what's black history like can you define what black history is and um, you know, another question I ask is, well, do you teach Black history differently um, than you would do from any other history course, right? And mm-hmm. there's always these kind of blank stares, right? And you know, particularly with the definition part, right? And I'm just kind of yes. like, you know, really frustrated because it's like, okay, you're teaching something you don't even know how to define, right? 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 Like, how how can we you know, honestly do something if we don't even know what we're teaching, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this concept. So so you see around the country almost every year that you'll have some bad pedagogical choices around different, you know, black historical events, such as slavery math problems, mock slave auctions, slavery games, all these, um, you know, pedagogical approaches that are not necessarily um, appropriate uh, for the school um, climate. Yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, you know, um, I want to shift a little bit uh, into the conversation about some of the content. So about, I'm going to say about three years ago, you may remember that there was an article in the New York Times and it was about the culture maximum and uh, highlighted why it was important um, uh, to know about it. And just some of the details and some of the gory details that people didn't know about. And then about a year later, it was followed up uh, by a poignant op-ed by the actor Tom Hanks. And Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks did an op-ed that basically his confession that he hadn't, he didn't know anything about it until he read the New York Times article. And and so I have this, uh, at least a, a clip, part of an interview that he did with uh, a a journalist uh, for A and E. Uh, something that they they were they were discussing was uh, Black History, and so I'm going to play that, and it was his response to. Uh, learning about the Tulsa Massacre and get your response to that.
2: I read a New York Times piece on a 100-year-old survivor of the Tulsa Massacre. And my question was this. What's the Tulsa Massacre? You know, I I was taught American history every three years growing up, fifth grade, eighth grade, uh, what comes after, 11th grade, And then I studied in junior college, and I've read it ever since for pleasure. How is it that it wasn't until two years ago that I heard about the Tulsa Massacre? How is that possible? I've heard about Custer's uh, uh, Little Bighorn. I heard about the Alamo. Uh, You know, I heard about the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. You know, I heard about all kinds of disasters in which people died. But I had never heard about this thing that happened in 1921, only three years before my dad was born. In the same year that Donna Reed was born, we didn't hear about this thing that happened in which essentially one of the most successful black communities in America, Black Wall Street, in which everybody was not only burned out of their homes and their businesses, but then driven out of the city limits by an angry mob of, I'm sorry, white people. How is it that this was not taught to me? Because I tell you, at the age of 10, when I was in fifth grade, living in Oakland, California, that would have been a moment of enlightenment for me that would have told me something very, very different about the city I lived in, not just American history or the city of Tulsa. And it made me mad. It made me mad that somebody had somehow made an editorial process of what was appropriate for us to learn about our own American history. It made me angry that, I, that it took until I was, uh, what, I'm, I'm 60, I'll be 66 uh, just just about two weeks after Juneteenth i 'll turn sixty six and uh it took it took me sixty four it took me fifty four years in order to find this out it 's not right
0: so a lot he said there So let me let me mm-hmm. just get your
1: a reaction to that a uh, From my experience, that is a common um concern from my students and from other adults that I speak with. Uh, in terms of certain uh, black historical moments, right in history, it, it, it's, it's this anger of why wasn't I told this, right, or why wasn't um, why wasn't this event in the curriculum or any of these particular things? But I think what's 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 most most telling, right? Because he said, "Hey, I'm I'm 50, 60 years old." is that it's some – you know, I, I don't think that the majority of white people think about black people's humanity, right, <laughs> um, because mm-hmm. that's what history is, right? History is not about patriotism. History is not about um, loving or liking the country or whatever, a positive aspects History is about our humanity and the decisions that we make, whether right, you know, bad, good, or indifferent, right? Um, and – you know, there has to come a time where people have to be really interested in their whole complete history, right? Um, and you can't continue to blame the school system on that, particularly if you're sixty 50 years old. There's, you know, the Tulsa massacre, right, um, isn't something that was new, right? It wasn't hiding, right? right? There's books and movies and all these particular things that, you know, um, documentaries that, that, you know, were made about, you know, um Tulsa massacre right that 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 could be, but it's for the general sense, while I understand the anger, I also don't understand well, you're learning the wrong history, and that's one of the things where I think people are not really interested in black people's humanity through history mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. well i i what what really struck me uh and there were a few places that he mentioned and i think in contrast that he talks about what he did learn and what he remembered uh that mm-hmm. he did talk about uh custer and other other mm-hmm. massacres that had that happened um and and some of which were were actually uh not accurate the stories that were mm-hmm. told
3: yeah
0: you know, i've i've told right here on the show before and I'll say it again here that a lot of people won't believe that where I was born and raised in Alabama about 30 yards from where I grew up where I spent most of my childhood now mm-hmm. the U.S. Park Service has put a placard indicating basically that the uh, you know, what the the trail of tears went right mm. through about 30 yards from where I slept most of my childhood. Wow. Right. And wow.
1: mm-hmm.
0: not one was that mentioned uh, mm. and in a way that would say this is a part of not only American history in a, in a significant mm-hmm. way, but it is a part of where we live. And so So, which leads me to one of the main questions I wanted to ask you, because I've been a part of conversations with colleagues uh, of of a variety of backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic, and I hear what what Tom Hanks said, but we've Mm -hmm. also had different conversations around, what is this about? Do you really believe, I've had people Mm -hmm. say to me, do you really believe that this is intentional? Is it, but to what, for what purpose, what is it that would make groups of people decide that it's not, we shouldn't mention this? And which I think ties us into part of what I wanted us to talk about was in Florida, was mm-hmm. the language that people have also used is that it is divisive, meaning mm-hmm. tell Story. Why do we have to teach that devices? And so I'm I'm puzzled. I'm I'm confused by those kinds of statements. But there there are a number of us who are are trying to grapple with what really is. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that it really matters. It just is. But
1: what's the purpose? That's 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 a million dollar question, right? Like, what is the purpose? And there's so many different ways I can go with this, right? Um, you know, from the research, there's always this connection between, um, and teachers believe this as well, is that the topics are not um, appropriate, right? Particularly the topics around <laughs> violence and yeah, rent- yeah, and all this other stuff is not appropriate yeah. uh, for young children. But then, you know, uh, my friend, Dr. Um, Ashley Woodson, who's a dean in Michigan, um, um, would, would, would would say, well, most of you all go to Sunday school and you learn about the crucifixion of Jesus and how violent is that, right, type of right. deal, right? So it's not that particular aspect. But it is this uh, concept of trying to present a progressive U.S. history, trying to present that the collective aspect of whiteness is good. Um, trying to, quite frankly, control, control historical understandings with black folk as well. Because one thing I know is that, you know, for a lot of people, getting black people upset is very scary. Yeah. Um, particularly if, and. and, and but then there's this conception that black people can't control themselves as well when I look at the literature with teachers who talk about why they don't teach black history because they don't want to get their black students upset. And you mentioned the concept of divisive, and, and I'm like, well, history is divisive. Yes. Right? There's 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 no way around it. I I, I call it psychologically violent, right? There's yes. no way that we can get away with, teaching history without it being psychologically violent. The problem, however, is that the psychological violence is one-sided, meaning that Mm. there's no problems with teaching things that black children would feel uncomfortable with, but there's a problem with teaching things that white children would be uncomfortable with, Mm. Mm. right? Because there, there, there was no laws for all those times that when I was in school in Louisiana, and when I sat there, and I remember being a third grader saying, "This stuff doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. All slave owners were, you know, nice to their slaves. Slavery was mm-hmm. a good, a good mm-hmm. institution for a lot of the enslaved people. And these things were told to me, and if that wasn't violent, and I'm talking about this was in the '80s. Yes, yes. You know, so. So the conception of really kind of keeping this racial hierarchy in terms of presenting history as this progressive aspect. Now they have said, hey, we can give you a little bit of the mistakes that we made, but guess what? We solved those mistakes. Voila, there's no racism. Mm We teach history properly and teach the connections between history to the contemporary, then you would kind of really see how many of these institutions have manifested, but they're just a little bit different in phrases, but not different in actions in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I I think about what what children, the kinds of questions that children have, and mm-hmm. they go unanswered. Uh, just, I mean, yeah. you talking about that it didn't make sense to you. A lot of what they're hearing and will hear now mm-hmm. won't make. Sense. Uh, I heard, I heard a reference to uh, the ban in in Florida as an example, mm-hmm. where it was said that it was okay to teach that Rosa Parks was arrested, but not why she was arrested. <laughs> that's, that's a divisive concept, and we're past that now. And, and it's impossible. And, right, right.
1: <laughs> and, and and so this concept of divisive is very interesting because notice in many of the discourse, you hadn't heard that, oh, this history is not true. Right. It's just divisive. Mm-hmm. Right. And. And that's a really interesting per se. But you know what these bands are really doing? It's really telling folk that black people do not matter,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. right? Because the thing about history, particularly black history, right, is and, – and, and so, so Florida – as I mentioned, Florida has a black history mandate, meaning that since 1994, Florida um, had on the books that they – Uh, the legal books in Florida, that they had to teach black history in their schools, right? So what they're doing now with the quote-unquote anti-CRT and divisive concepts laws or whatever the case may be is saying that, hey, we have black history, you know. We didn't say you couldn't teach black history uh, because we have this black history law, right? You just can't teach divisive concepts. Well, that's black history and white face, right? Um, And by that, what I mean to truly teach black history, that history has to come from the views, the lenses, perspectives, and the traditions of black folk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Black history is just not, hey, these are some black faces, right? And now we're going to infuse them into the curriculum, but we're not going to change the narrative. To truly teach black history, that narrative has a different trajectory and different um, different um, meaning because black people have experienced history a little bit different. So yes. at the core of a lot of black history in our country, not the only, but a lot of black history, is the concept of power, oppression, and anti-blackness. Yes, yes. So much so that it still influences our lives today. Yes. Right? And for you to truly teach black history, you cannot – you can't erase what has been done to black people by, guess who, white folk. Yes. Right? And I tell people all the time, i like, when we think of history, history is like identity, right? History is the first time that we learn about, about ourselves, and history is the first time that we learn about someone who was othered from us, right? So – in, in many ways, um, I could see their viewpoint, because when you think of history, you and I went with went, went the school, and we had probably the same histories. Um, in our history, history tells us that white people are the most important or the most historically important people around the globe.
2: Mm-hmm. They created
1: things. They explored things. They colonized countries. They did this. They did that. So it it reached to that particular aspect. But in many ways, when we think about history, global history, white people, their accomplishments are not as grand as they attempt to make it be, right? Mm -hmm. When you talk about the whole entire world, right? So when someone says, hey, look, black folk explored the world as well. White people were not, or Europeans were not the only people that, quote, unquote, discovered different places. Black folk do you think Europeans were the only people around water that says, hey, I wonder what's out there? Right. Right? Right. And that goes back to the kind of not really understanding who black people are, not really understanding their viewpoints, and not necessarily taking their humanity into question. And that's why these laws are very dangerous, because it's actually telling folk that black people... because when a defendant said, hey, this course because African-American, whatever, um, uh, AP course, studies course, doesn't have educational value, right? Or, you know, saying, you know, stuff like, you know, um, yes, we have black history, but we cover the most important things in black history and not those other things. You're telling us, number one, you're trying to tell us our history, number one. And number two, you're not respecting the humanity of black Mm -hmm. Mm folks.
0: Well, and, and, you know, not to, not to go too far from that, uh, going back to the narrative that you spoke about, uh, the, the narrative that America first is a progressive place and has always been that. And the, the problems of the past were solved is an inaccurate narrative. But mm-hmm. on the other side, there are all the other narratives that exist, like what you just mentioned about uh, groups of people, not just Africans, but uh, indigenous mm-hmm. people around the globe, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Asians, and others mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. who live near water and, and mm-hmm. thought maybe it would be a good idea to see what's out there. Uh, right now, I'll I tell you one of the the most I guess shocking things to me was when I put together, and I've I still never seen this in writing, but but I, I put together for myself. I was I I saw a map. Uh, I can not remember where I was, but it was at, I was at a museum, and I saw a map of the ocean currents okay. and. There's, a, there's an ocean current that exists right out of the mouth of the Mediterranean near, near Spain and Portugal. It's called the Canary Current. Uh, it yes. goes right down past Africa, uh, near Senegal, near Mauritania and the Gambia and other places. But it goes right past there, across the Atlantic Ocean, and ends up, guess where? Cuba. Okay, then yes. that same current loops back around up towards Florida, let's say Virginia, New York, and goes back out across a northern part of the Atlantic, and it's called the Gulf Stream current. Goes oh. back across the the ocean and goes and starts over again right at the mouth of the Mediterranean. And so I sat there in disbelief and said, the narrative that you had a group of people that left the Mediterranean, and I'm not going to take anything away from people who in, you know, the 1400s and earlier set sail, not knowing that- where they could go, but the narrative that-, that these were brilliant navigators, the idea. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my aunt, who I talked to a lot about these things, I called her and I said, you know i'm not I'm not trying to be funny, but you could get in a in a small uh lifeboat and if you had enough provisions and you left, you'd end up there no matter what yeah, and so all I'm saying is that all of the, there's so many narratives that are out there that are untrue that paint uh-huh. a picture of a uh-huh. group a race a a a uh, society of people that uh that that are being painted as superior uh human beings that is uh-huh. just inaccurate right. And, right. and and so um so which leaves leaves us at a deficit in a lot of places around what other narratives have to be so if if So, you know, there's, as you know, also, there's a lot of speculation being being talked about now. And I I say speculation, but but probably evidence out there that Africans were already in in South America and North America long before 1492. And, And so. And so people are talking about that now, with increased evidence and increased numbers of people willing to tell the truth, Um, but at at the expense of denigrating other groups. That's what Mm -hmm. that's the narrative we ended up with. And so I want to be clear that African, like the, the the problem here is not just the 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 missing components of African American history it is mm-hmm. also kind of the the the, the over inflated history of other regions
1: as well yeah yeah and you said something very powerful like within that is is this concept just because we're adding these um these histories to the overall history does not take away from your history right right you know and 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 that's something that is very prevalent in these in in these discourses right is this concept of hey look everyone's everyone has a great history but for some reason the the dismissal of you know black history and other histories of racialized people and gendered um people are uh, always vilified right and And, you know, these cultural wars, you know, as you know, you know, there's nothing new, right? It's The same cultural wars from the late 80s and early 90s and the 1960s and the 1950s and 1920s, Um, the same discourse is out there about this Um, and, you know, in many ways is disheartening because a lot of people fall for it every single time. And there's a part of me that, that, that is saying maybe there's a silent majority that's not falling for this, um, but the minority is really loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, I know we're we're already over, but I, I I do if you if you don't mind, I I do want to ask you. So uh, there have been a number of people who have chimed in. I know you have to, and have just been so relieved to see it and hear it. Uh, and I hope it doesn't die down. Um, you know, scholars such as yourself and uh, Khalil Jabbar Mohammed and others are bringing mm-hmm. attention to these uh, book bans that have happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and and so, uh, is it is it as simple as that? These two are are you know, in the eyes of some, telling too violent of a of a story. Um, I, I, saw, I saw a meme that someone published about Ruby Bridges. It said that uh, um, this child wasn't too young to endure it, but your child is too um. young to know about it, right? Um. So, um, so these bands, particularly in Florida, uh, you know, that we're hearing a lot about, but these book bands, uh, is it is it more of the same, or is there another kind of agenda here with the book bans?
1: Yeah, it, it it's more of the same of, you know, trying to get, get out the racial history that we have in this country. I mean, because even when you think about what they're banning, a lot of these books are not even um, violent or, you know, talk about anything other than the experiences of black people, right? Um and this is very dangerous. I mean, not only are they going for uh, school libraries, they're actually going for the public libraries as well. Uh, and what's disheartening is that the level of rigor that it takes to get rid of a book is is a parent complaint, mm-hmm. like one parent complaint, right? And that there, you know, shows you that these are not good faith um, issues, right? Um, yeah and 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 it's very um you know disturbing that just one person who could be a paid operative from a political background or could just be one person that you know um that you know can 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 control the knowledge um of a whole you know county or school which which is um really dangerous
0: yeah. Absolutely. Um, well listen, we have one I got I, I. someone who called right at the show uh beginning. If you don't mind, I have someone who's dialed in and um I'm oh, gonna yes. give, give him an opportunity to ask a question, make a comment. Um so caller from make a comment? three three one four area. Yeah, I wanna make a
3: comment. Yes. Yeah, Florida is a sovereign state, it has a right to dictate what goes on in this public schools, not private schools, but public schools. Federal government has no control over public schools. That's a state's responsibility. And if parents don't want their children to be exposed to certain things, that's the first point. Then you shouldn't try to force that on to the children take the responsibility of parents. But, you know, when we start talking about history a uh, uh, black history in America is part of American history. But people then want to go around the world where you just can't do that because skin color don't relate to kin. You know, you may mention about Rosa Parks. People tell the story about Rosa Parks. But they never tell the story about how when she was waiting at a bus stop, it was a white female that came off her porch and stood at the bus stop so the bus would stop so she could get on. They never tell that story. They never tell the story about you you had over 300,000 boys and men that gave their life in the Civil War on the Union side so that slavery was in it. Although Lincoln said he was not having the war because of slavery, he was trying to bring back and hold the Union together. But they don't talk about the blacks that on the Confederate side. They don't talk about about black slave owners. Right. They don't talk about those things. So so when I have opportunities to, I have an opportunity to talk to kids. I give them all those points of view because you have to have a complete story. It can't be biased. But now, you know, with school classroom being so diverse, you don't have time for all that. And, you know, another point, too, that don't get consideration you got so many black kids in these schools that can't read. Seventy-five percent of black males in California can't read that level. Chicago 50 schools, they're not reading that level. I think that's more important than trying to present them with information they can't even handle.
0: Okay, hey, thank you for your comment. Um, here's, here's my response, and I, I, I'd love to hear uh, – uh, Dr. King, your response is that uh
2: you
0: know, these these issues are not mutually exclusive and right. and i I would like to offer that we can chew gum and walk at the same time is that we can we can give examples of of where and i I didn't hear anything in what we presented today suggest that there were. Not good actors on on other sides of of this story. But what what it is is the it's not the exclusion. I I, I like to think of it this way. It's not the exclusion. Hmm. It's the emphasis. And we we're talking about more emphasis uh, on on Black history, um, African American history that tells a more complete story. One thing I know for sure is that we've we've learned a lot about Western European history, uh, and and to to the deficit of not just African American history but world history, other people, and and a lot of places don't have uh, the benefit of of making making it known um the, the facts uh that that we have we have a different history that needs to be told. So uh,
1: Dr. King, uh your response. Yeah, so many things. Um number one, um, when we are talking about history, history is a, bu- uh, uh, is a bundle of silences, right? So you're going to have to have certain silences within history. So in many ways, um, no one in this country will ever know all the different histories. And I think it's um, a little, um, you know, um, designed to say, hey, this one person did this, this one person did that, when we're really trying to really um, kind of explain the um, you know, holistic aspect of that particular history. Number two, uh, just a little correction. Uh, black folks didn't fight for the Confederacy. Remember, Confederates had slaves, so there's a, you know, stands a reason that, you know, slaves were a part of the Confederacy because they were owned by those Confederate soldiers or Confederate people. Um, and number two, three, maybe what and, – and, and and we can also get into, you know, you know the Civil War, while the Emancipation Proclamation was, you know, um, you know instituted, and all these particular things. Um, but something that may not be popular with people uh, is that public education is for the public, not the parents, right? So that means that there's certain knowledge that the public needs to be able to have a sustaining democracy, right? Um, that's why the private schools are there, right? If there's a certain type of um, knowledge that you want your children to learn, hopefully there's a private school. But public public school is for public knowledge. Um, And if we think of the curriculum as developing citizens instead of just a curriculum, then there's a multiverse of different people that are living in this country. Um, And because of that, we need to learn about all these different people in order to sustain our democracy because at the end of the day, there's implications to people who historically has had dominion over different groups of people to now become adults and decision makers and know nothing about their history, right? Absolutely. History yeah. is more is, is deeper than just these stories we tell. Yeah, uh, and I think people need to realize that. And I definitely agree with you. We can chew gum and walk at the same time. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily uh, believe in all those 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 stats in that particular way. Seventy percent and and all yes. that particular aspect, yes. but there is challenges within black education, and I think we can deal with literacy rates, and we also can deal with right. um, you know the lack of history that we learn throughout our country. That's right. Exactly the point. So
0: I know we are well over our time. I want to thank you for coming on and and, and staying with me here. This is something that so many people have been um, in conversation with me about, and I thought um, we should get on this. And we, you know, we scheduled this some time ago, and I, I've just been chomping a bit for today to happen. Um, and so thank you for coming on. Uh, do you have any uh, social media handles and places? I know there are people that are going to want to follow your work and see what they can read and learn uh, from you and even probably suggest some, some other work of teachers to look into the work that you're doing that we can point them in the right direction. Uh, any Anything you want to point uh, our listeners
1: to? Yeah, so, um, you know, Twitter is probably the best uh, social media handle I have. So it's Dr. LeGarrett King. That's uh, L-A-G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-I-G. Dr. LeGarrett King is Twitter handle. Uh, there, there's, um, you know, Teaching Black History Conference is coming up this July. Our theme this year is Sounds of Blackness Hip Hop Turns 50. Um, that's from July 21st through the 23rd. If you... Uh, Google the Center for K-12 Black History and Racial Literacy. Um, You should see our website and see the page to register. Uh, It's a hybrid conference, so you don't even have to come to Buffalo. You can um, learn all this information of 80-plus presenters, um, some of the best black history educators around the country, right? Uh, And then, you know what? Um, I would suggest you all look up this brother, Khalid Alakim. He owns... Uh, the Black History Mobile Museum, and he goes through different cities um, all year long, um, you know, helping communities learn about black history.
0: Okay, excellent. Thank you. Well, listen, uh, I have appreciated your your being on today and the conversation we've had. Uh, uh, you've added to me, and I'm sure to a lot of other people that have listened, uh, I'm going to keep following uh, and, and watching your word, please keep speaking out as uh, we need your voice as a, a black scholar on this and keep, keep this issue uh, in front of people that it doesn't die down because uh, there are forces out there not, gonna, uh, not going to stop on the other side that are, are going to do their best to keep uh, this, the history uh, quiet and silent uh, but I know that we you know, I feel much better today knowing that you're working on it and um, and and as so many other people are so again thank you uh, I hope we cross paths we have a lot of people in common uh, but until we do go well stay well
1: yes sir thank you I appreciate your time and effort to keep on doing the good work thank you